And so, Nancy, I'd like you to greet this congregation. Well, I'm very privileged and honored to be here today. I feel like this is like one of the most precious things that we've ever done, probably. Like, I'm just so excited about it. So um, when um, I was just a young, I don't even know if I was a teenager yet, because I think maybe Brad, when Brad was born, Brad was my baby, their son Brad. I carried Brad until I literally could not pick him up anymore. Nobody else in church got to hold him. He was my baby. And Nisa was probably, I don't know, she was probably three when they came. And she couldn't even say her own name. Her name was Nisi Wall. So I still call her Nisi Wall. She's not, <laughs> she's not Sister Hanson. I'm sorry, she's Nisi Wall still to us. But um, my dad was pastoring in Davenport, and he brought the, I don't even remember how any of this happened. I was too young, but, but he brought the Wallaces to our church to be our youth pastor. Back then it was called youth leader, but he really was our youth pastor. They both were. They were incredible. Spent a lot of time at their house. And uh, as, you know, as you get older and you look back on things that have impacted your life, you don't realize sometimes the people that that were so valuable to you until you be, until you get older. And I'm telling you, brother and sister Wallace have meant the world to me. They had no idea when I, you know, when I was in their, in their youth group. And we were out, play, we played a lot. He said last night, as a youth group, we played. We played, we went ice skating almost every day. Like we, in the winter, sorry. And we played 10, I mean, there's a lot of things that we did. We went to their house all the time. And that impact and that foundation that they put into me, I have put into others. There was a sermon that he preached one time in our youth group, or it was probably just a little object lesson. But he brought these orange slices to our youth group. He gave everybody an orange slice. And um, then after he gave it all to us, he's like, I don't remember how exactly how it came down, but what basically happened was none of us. Not one of us said thank you. And so he preached this whole sermon about how we need to be thankful for <laughs> things that are given to us. I, had, I put that orange slice in a little jar. I had that jar forever. I still think I have it somewhere. I have looked and looked and looked for it because I literally have had that so long because we were so humiliated that we did not say thank you. But there's another thing I remember about Brother Wallace is one time we had a service, and it may have been the night that Chris Lyons got the Holy Ghost, and we had a service that lasted forever and ever, like an altar service that lasted for an eternity. And Brother Wallace sat up on, the, I'll never forget it, he sat up on his chair on the platform, and he was lost in the spirit for hours, so long, because he kept moving his foot back and forth, so long that he literally wore like a really bad worn spot in the carpet right there. That carpet must have been bad. But like that's the things that I remember. And as years have gone on, I've, you have had such an impact on my life. And you never knew that that little girl in your youth group, what she was going to be, what I was going to become, and the things that I would have to go through in my life in the way that I feel, I hope that I've impacted people. You never, ever know. Who's watching you? You never, ever know um, that you've impacted somebody. That person may never tell you. A kid in your church may never tell you how that you've impacted them. I was thinking about you, Brother, is it Jones? As you were leading service, you reminded me of, of somebody that led service in one of our churches before. But there's probably kids in this church that have imitated you. They probably, like, they know all the moves that you make. They know how to sing like you sing. They know exactly how to, how to do the things you do. There's kids in this church that probably shout like, you know, when they're at home, they play church and pretend church. They know exactly how you act and what you do. You have no impact, no idea the impact that you have on them. So publicly, I want to say thank you to probably the most important people in, our, in my life. Like, you, you, made, you made me what I am. And, uh, you know, you're impacted so greatly when you're, when you're youth. I mean, it's probably the most important time of your life. It's when you make the biggest decisions you will ever make in your life is when you're youth. And I want to thank you 
for being so wonderful and being so faithful and still being here for us. Like, I know if I called them, they'd still be here for me. I'm so thankful. And Nisi Wall, I'm so proud of how you've grown up. So proud of you. Like, you make me just, you make me just so happy. And um, you're all very blessed. Very, very blessed. Oh, praise the Lord. There is a real precious presence of the Lord in here. Bible says, uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says to give honor to whom honor is due. And uh, <clears throat> I think that to have a Heritage Sunday, to set aside a day to honor the past and where we came from, we can't have a future without a past. Right. Amen. We can't have what we have today unless we had something to build on. Uh, I've, I've built... Uh, I've done quite a bit of building in, in my life, and, and uh, one of the most important things that always has to happen is there has to be a lot of work that goes underneath the surface of the ground before there's ever any building that goes on on top of the ground. And sometimes we go by, drive by a house, and we look at that house, and it may be a mansion. I mean, a, it could be a you know, 6,000, 7,000 square foot mansion and, and you know, rooms and rooms and rooms. <coughs> And nobody ever says, man, that's a beautiful foundation. They talk about the house, but nobody ever talks about the foundation. And so to be able to have a day when we look at the foundation and, and go back and talk about that. Brother, I'll tell you, you listening to uh, you talk about uh, the, the old saint that had her hand. My wife was talking about mimicking. But those are the things that we remember. Those are the things that, that make us what we are today. <clears throat> and, and again, <clears throat> I am thankful I'm thankful for the honor uh, that you have bestowed upon us to include us in a Heritage uh, Sunday. I remember here uh, probably, um, oh, it's probably, been, I, I'm not old, but, you know, uh, it's been probably, I don't know, maybe 14, 13, 14 years ago, I was invited to Knoxville, Iowa, to preach their Seniors Sunday. I got there, and... and on the way to Knoxville, it's about, I don't know, 35-mile drive or so from Des Moines down to Knoxville. And I was driving down to Knoxville, and all of a sudden I looked over at Nancy and I said, it just dawned, why did they ask me to preach a senior service? She said, have you looked in the mirror lately? Um, but to be able to be here today is so, uh, what an honor. What a, we are honored to be here. And Sister Hanson. We're very honored. And I won't call you Nisi Wall. I will call you Sister Hanson. Amen. We are honored. And, and also, Brother and Sister Wallace, you have been a great part of our life. Uh, tremendous heritage there. <clears throat> um, I, I, just sitting in this service this morning is just the, the, the because of what it is. It's brought so many things to my mind. And then. Um, the song that was just sung, What Heaven Means to Me. I, I thought about a, another old song that as, as we were going through the service before you ever started singing, I thought of an old song that said, I don't regret a mile I've traveled for the Lord. I don't regret the times I've trusted in his word. And I've seen the years go by many days without a song, but I don't regret a mile I've traveled for the Lord. I'll tell you something, we're, we're doing something uh, as adults, as older, the older generation many times that we don't think, uh, we don't think of the, the, the impact that we have. Many times we come to church and we think, well, I'm just another person in church or I'm an old person that's, you know, I, my days are numbered and I'm, I, I've, I'm running out of time. Uh, but we oftentimes don't think about the impact that we're having on somebody that's that's coming up behind us. <clears throat> I, uh, in preparing for this, I was talking with my one of my son-in-laws, and I was just telling them we were going to be here for this um, this service today. And and he was he was talking, and I was talking about the uh, the we were talking about heritage. And he told me he was sharing something something with me, and so I went back and 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 looked this up, and it. Uh, 
I thought it was very appropriate. I'm going to read this before I get into my message this morning, and I understand that this is a, a very different type of a service, but I think this is a very important service. I want to read something to you before I preach my message this morning. During World War I, a severe food crisis emerged in Europe as agricultural workers were recruited into military service and farms were transformed into battlefields. As a result, the burden of feeding millions of starving people fell to the United States. In March of 1917, just weeks before the United States entered the war, Charles Lathrop Pack organized the National War Garden Commission to encourage Americans to contribute to the war effort by planting, fertilizing, harvesting, and storing their own fruits and vegetables so that more fruit could be exported to our allies. And when I, I, there's a lot of material about this. It was kind of interesting to me that, uh, that people were actually given bags of seed uh, to plant and, and do these gardens. Citizens were urged to utilize all idle land that was not already engaged in agricultural production, including school and company grounds, parks, backyards, or any available vacant lot. Promoted through pro propaganda posters advocating that citizens or civilians sow the seeds of victory by planting their own vegetables, the war garden movement, as it was originally known, <clears throat> was spread by word of mouth through numerous women's clubs, civic organizations, uh, chambers of commerce, which actively encouraged participation in the campaign. Amateur gardeners were provided with instruction pamphlets on how, when, and where to sow and were provided with seed and offered suggestions as to the best crops to plant along with tips on preventing disease and insect infestations. There were classes that were set up that they taught people how to plant gardens. The endeavor was so well received that the government turned its attention to distributing canning and drying manuals to help people preserve their surplus crops. In addition to the appeal to men and women, the Federal Bureau of Education initiated a, a U.S. school garden army to mobilize children to enlist as soldiers of the soil. As a result of these combined efforts, three million new garden plots were planted in 1917, and more than 5.2 million were cultivated in 1918, which generated an estimated 1.45 million quarts of canned fruits and vegetables. By the end of World War I, the campaign promoting home gardens, which by then were referred to as victory gardens, had dropped off, but many people continued to maintain them. <clears throat> Shortly after the United States was drawn into the Second World War, victory gardens began to reemerge. Once again, commercial crops were diverted to the military overseas while transportation was redirected toward moving troops and munitions instead of food. With the introduction of food rationing in the United States in the spring of 1942, Americans had an even greater incentive to grow their own fruits and vegetables in whichever locations they could find, small flower boxes, apartment rooftops, backyards, or deserted lots of any size. Amid protests from the Department of Agriculture, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt even planted a victory garden on the White House lawn. Some of the most popular produce grown included beans, beets, cabbage, carrots, kale, kohlrabi, uh, lettuce, peas, tomatoes, turnip, turnips, uh, squash, and Swiss chard. Through the distribution of several million government-sponsored pamphlets and seeds, fledgling farmers were advised to maximize their garden's pro productivity by practicing succession planting and were encouraged to record the germination rates of seeds along with the diseases or insects that they may have encountered in order to minimize waste and improve their garden's output the following year. Throughout both world wars, the Victory Garden Campaign served as a successful means of boosting morale, uh, expressing patriotism, safeguarding against food shortages on the home front, and easing the burden on the commercial farmers working arduously to feed troops and civilians overseas. In 1942, roughly 15 million families planted victory gardens. By 1944, an estimated 20 million victory gardens produced roughly 8 million tons of food, which was the equivalent of more than 40% of all the fresh fruits and vegetables consumed in the United States. Although the government's pr promotion of victory gardens ended with the war, 
a, a, res, a, res, a renaissance movement has sprouted up in recent years in support of self-sufficiency and eating seasonally to improve health through local organic farming and sustainable agriculture. Now, there's a whole lot of other information about this, but I, when he talked to me about this, I started thinking about this. I thought, there is what a tremendous thing it is to be able to uh, provide something for a generation to come, to provide something. And the power of planting seeds and the power of, uh, of putting things in the ground. Uh, somebody gives you a bag of seed and you plant it in the ground and, and, and you don't think much about it because it's just you doing it. But then by the time we get to the end of that, that session of, of uh, by the time that Second World War was done, over, uh, they had, were producing over 8 million tons of food just because a few people decided to plant something here. Um, I, I thought about that as I, as I was preparing for this message. The power of planting seeds, the power of what we do now for future generations, for people coming after us. We're here today remembering the heritage that brought you to the place that we are standing in this service right now. Herit the word heritage, is. It, 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 I just looked up the definition. It means something transmitted by by or acquired from a predecessor, something that is reserved for a particular person or group or the outcome of action, way of life, etc. Um, we often talk about our inheritance as everybody wants to talk about the inheritance they're going to get and uh, they want to talk about what they're going to get when, when mom and dad die or the grandpa, grandpa or grandma die or somebody, aunt so-and-so dies. But you'll never have an inheritance without a heritage. There has to be something planted before you ever go are going to have uh, the inheritance. I heard last evening, uh, and and we just I, I just heard Brother Wallace mention this again that this church was some started maybe sometime in the in the 40s or sometime back there. And and as I thought about that, I, only eternity will reveal all that went in to establishing the church that stands at at this location right here and right now today. There are probably countless untold stories. We heard a couple of beautiful testimonies this morning, but how many untold stories from the heroes of the past? There will only, uh, some, most of these stories will only be known once we cross the threshold into glory. Amen. In thinking about this service, my mind uh, went back in the Scripture to a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young man that he was mentoring in the ministry, this young man's name was Timothy. And he penned these words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses number 14 and 15. He said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He said, Timothy, you remember, I want you never to forget what's been put in you from the time you were just a young boy, from the time that, that and he talked about his mother and his grandmother uh, in, in another place. He talked about what, the, they had, what they had put in him. We're living in a, in a day, I, I, I've heard this word, and I know you have, it, or this phrase that's been used over and over again, cancel culture. When, when everything that we've always known, all of the things that were important to me when I was growing up, they're starting to tell us that that's not reasonable and we should do away with this and do away with that. Our world is upside down with chaos and confusion. In spite of all of that, in spite of it, sometimes we, the church, can have a tendency to look around us and think, oh, we better, Lord, you better hurry up and come because there's not going to be anything left. I'm telling you, I'm convinced that when Jesus Christ comes, he's going to find faith in the earth. I'm convinced that when he comes, there's going to be a church that's alive and well and thriving. Amen. The devil would like uh, uh, to subvert the minds of us, and, and especially this generation that we're living in right now, get us to call into question everything that we've been taught and everything that we've known as a Christian. He wants to attack our heritage and he wants to tear down things and say that was not important or couldn't find that in the Bible and that really wasn't all that important. Let's do away with this and let's do away with that. And He would like to 
minimize the, the, the teaching of the church and the power of the pulpit. Amen. The enemy of your soul is trying his best to direct your attention away from the things of God. And he wants to replace it with the noise of this world. Amen. But that's not who we are. Amen. That's not what we've been made to be. Amen. God puts something in us. Our 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 heroes of the past have put things in us. Amen. My mind often goes back to some of those old old time preachers that I grew up listening to. Amen. I I remember I we were at general conference. I was just a very, very, very young boy. Uh, we were we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a general conference. And I, I'll never forget my dad coming back. My dad was, uh, I don't know, he was involved with the general board somehow or another, and he came back to our, we were in a little Garway travel trailer parked out on a, on a uh, along a, um, a levee someplace along the river. And us boys, we had gotten cardboard boxes someplace, and, and we were sliding down uh, the levee on, it was not wintertime, it was summertime, but we were sledding down the hill on cardboard boxes. But my, I'll never forget my dad coming back and uh, telling us that A.T. Morgan, our general superintendent, had just passed away in a general board meeting and, and, uh, uh, and what had transpired from that. I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Those were our, our heroes. Those men were our, our, they were the stalwarts of this organization. I remember in that general conference they had a special election and elected uh, the next district or general superintendent. I remember... Uh, these, these events, Brother Stanley Chambers. I remember uh, Brother A.D. Urshan. I remember Brother Nathaniel Urshan and, and some of those old men, Brother, brother, uh, Kil, brother old Brother C.P. Kilgore and C.R. Free and some of those names that some of you are wondering who in the world I'm talking about. But these men gave their, themselves to the ministry and they traveled across this nation and preached the gospel and preached to uh, thousands of people. I, I, I've read books of where people... Uh, where some of those old preachers would preach uh, and, and then get on a train to go to the next revival. And on that train, they would be preaching the gospel to people on the train. And before they got to the next stop where that train was going, there would be a 50 or 75 or maybe 100 people filled with the Holy Ghost on the train. That's what this was built upon. Amen. We didn't get to where we are because of uh, of being popular and being politically correct, amen. We got to where we were or where we are today because of men that spent their time on their knees praying and seeking the face of God. Paul wanted Timothy to remember where he came from and who he was, amen. He was reminding Timothy of something that had been imparted to him from those that had gone on before him, amen. This was not something that could be purchased with money, you don't get what we've got with money. You could take up the biggest offerings that you could imagine in your mind, and yet you can't purchase what we feel in this room today with money. Amen. Amen. It's been paid for by lifetimes of commitment and sacrifice. I want to go back to the Old Testament, take a look at a very powerful example, if you'll go with me. I'm not going to be extremely long this morning, but I feel like that this is important. I feel like this generation needs to hear these things. I want to talk about Abraham and the call of God that was separated from or that separated him from everything that he was familiar with. There was lit, you can go back and read the scriptures and there was nothing really notable in the life of Abraham until he listened to the voice of God even though he lived 75 years before. I mean when we start tracing his life he's about 75 years old. Don't read anything much notable about him. I've wondered many times what his life was like prior to the moment when God called him uh, away from his home, away from Haran and his family and all of his acquaintances, away from the things that were, he was familiar with. It's easy for us to preach uh, messages about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it didn't start out that way. He was just another man in a very pagan world when God called him until he heard from God. I, I, I was listening to your lesson this morning when I stopped coughing. <laughs> uh, I, I was listening to your lesson this morning and, and how God uses people that 
you know, when, when I think about some of the people that God has used, they were not notable people. They were not, uh, some of the people that, that, we've, uh, that I even mentioned this morning were men that were farmers or men that didn't have any education, and yet God used them in powerful ways. And, and Abram, was just a, he was just another man in a very corrupt and a very pagan world. If you, if you go back and study the history of where he came from, it was one of the most vile and evil places on the face of the earth. But God called him. There was something in this man. I, I'm not going to say he was righteous. I have no way of knowing he was righteous. I, the Bible doesn't tell me that. But one thing I know is he listened to the voice of God when God called him. Uh, godly heritage is more than the possessions you can give to the generations that follow you. It's about hearing from God in such a way that it changes the outcome of your story and it changes their lives. Amen. Can you imagine the heritage that Isaac was able to pass on to his children because of what he saw in his father and what he inherited from his father? And I'm not talking about herds of cattle and and sheep and goats and camels. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the personal things he saw in the life of that man. The, inher the inheritance you pass on to those coming after you will be determined by your willingness to obey the voice of God when he begins to speak to you. Amen. What, he, what is he requiring from you and how willing are you to do everything that he asks? Um. I, you know, and, and this is the question that comes to, to mind when we're talking about heritage. You see, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the Lord's getting ready to come back. I, I really believe that Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back for his church. But I preached that 20 years ago and I preached that 30 years ago. So I also believe that we need to prepare the next generation if the Lord does wait another 10, 15, 20 years. Amen. Amen. So my question is this. Have you had an experience yet where you had to lay the dearest and most important thing in your life on an altar of sacrifice? Have you stood before God and said, here it is, God. I'm offering this to you. I'm willing to give my best to you, God, so that the generations that come after me, my children, my grandchildren, and those that I impact in my day-to-day -day life, amen, can have something powerful in their lives, amen. Heritage comes from moments like that. Amen. It's not built upon meaningless moments of frivolity, but it comes from agonizing hours alone with God when nobody's around, nobody's watching, nobody. It's all right to come to prayer meeting, and I advocate prayer meetings. I think we ought to have them. But you need some moments alone with God when nobody's watching. Amen. When nobody's recording the hours or minutes that you spend with God hours spent in search of a spiritual place that you have never personally been to before. Amen. Listen as the writer of Hebrews pens these words in the 11th chapter in verse, beginning with verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, foundations whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore spring they're even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, Then in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, 
from whence also he received him in a figure. Amen. Abraham could have gone back. He knew where he came from. He knew what was back there. He knew what he had left behind, and he could have gone back. But the Bible says there was a call in him that, that urged him to go to a place. He was seeking something that he had never seen before. He was hungry for There was a passion in him to receive something that he had never tasted before, to look for a land that he had never found before. Now, the Bible says he died not yet having found that place, but there was a promise in him. There was a call in him. Amen. You have a pastor here that uh, I, I listened to the list of names that were read here uh, today of, of men that had uh, started this work and then had nourished it as it went through the years, and now you have a pastor. And I promise you this, that this pastor's heart is not to just maintain. He, he, he's looking for a place. <laughs> He's, he's walking toward a goal. There's, there's something out there in front of him, amen, that drives him and motivates him. He's not seen the best of what God has promised yet. He's not yet seen the, the city that God has promised, so to speak, but he's looking, amen. Uh, this writer here in Hebrews said they died not having seen it, but they kept marching toward that place. What you pass on to the next generation is it as important to them as the air that they breathe? Amen. Listen to the words that God gave, and Moses recorded these words for the children of Israel who are the descendants of Abraham. I'm reading from a, a, a different translation than the original or the, what we normally read, the King James Version, but listen to this in Deuteronomy 6 and 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. You and your children and, your, and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and command, commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. And in the fifth verse, it says, And you must love the Lord your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's telling them, listen, if you want to leave something for the next generation, you can't leave it to somebody else to do it. You've got to do it yourself. Dads and moms, when you get up in the morning, don't make the daily news the most important thing. Don't make what's happening on social media the most important thing. But the Word of God ought to be more important than anything else in the whole world. If you want to leave a heritage for your children, leave them the Word of God. Tell them about what God has done in your life. Let them be involved in services like this where they hear about the power of God and God's ability to change lives. Amen. Amen. They need that and you need that. And this was a command that was directly from God to those children of Israel. The command is just as important today as it was when God gave it back then. Amen. There are many that will be coming down the road that you and I have traveled on. There's a lot of people that I, we, we were a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. I can't remember it with this COVID stuff. I, I get, you know, time has kind of crashed together. But we were in, my wife and I were privileged to go to the, uh, uh, the North American Youth Congress in, uh, was that in St. Louis, the last one? <laughs> this is all running together all of a sudden. We were set there in that auditorium that, uh, one night, and I looked down over that, that vast arena. Over, I, I don't, they estimated between 30 and 40,000 people in that, in that place. And a large, large percentage of those people were young people. I looked down across that, that vast arena at those young people, and they were worshiping God. And, 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 I, I, and I turned to my wife, and I said, I feel like that this, this organization, this movement is in good hands. Amen. But let me tell you something. We don't get there by just hoping that they'll get it. We've got to plant some things. Amen. They're coming down the road behind us, and, and we're, what are we leaving for them? Amen. To follow. I, uh, 
I, 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 I was, as I was preparing this, there was a song that came to my mind, and it's, uh, I, don't, I haven't heard this song in years, but the, the words to this song were so incredibly powerful. It says, we're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us lined the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their lives a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lies. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. And in the chorus of this, you'll recognize, oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. The question is very simple. What kind of inheritance or heritage are we leaving for those coming after us? I want, to, I want you to listen again to what Paul was saying and why he was saying it to Timothy, this young man. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For as of this sort are they which lead, creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, this Paul is, is telling Timothy is going to come to pass. I can tell you right now, Paul could have read the, the headlines of yesterday's news and wrote this because this is exactly where we're at right now. There are men and women in our world today that are saying that what we had in the past, and I want you to understand this. I'm not just trying to attack a political institution. I'm telling you there is an enemy that wants to destroy the heritage of the church. Amen. And in this world that we live in today, the devil is pulling out all the stops. But he speaks about two men that withstood Moses, Janus and Jambres. You remember when Moses went in there before Pharaoh, there's, there's two men that withstood Moses there. And, he's, and, and basically what he says here to Timothy, he said, God revealed who, who they really were to everybody that was there. So don't worry about uh, the, the prognosticators that say you can't preach truth or those that say tear it apart. He said, because God revealed who they were. But truth still stands. Truth still stands. And then he says what I read to you at the beginning of this message. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom you learned them. Amen. When you hear your pastor teach a lesson, amen, in Sunday school, or, or when you hear your, your, your pastor or a preacher teach or preach from this pulpit and expound from the Word of God. Remember those things because the devil's going to try to rip that out of our grasp. He wants to destroy everything that's taught behind this pulpit, and he wants to minimize, and, and he wants to tear down the church. But I'm telling you, there's too much heritage. 
There's too much Holy Ghost. There's too much power. There's too much anointing. Amen. And God's going to have a church. So he said, Timothy, don't ever forget what you've learned and who you learned it from. Amen. When all of those evil men begin speaking against it, just remember what's been put into you. You learned this from a child. You didn't learn this from social media. You didn't learn this from, from a television broadcast. You didn't learn this off of a radio. You learned this from the Holy Scriptures. God's Word was imparted into you. Amen. You learned this as a child, and he said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man, and I could say, and woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. What was he saying to Timothy? Timothy, continue. You just keep doing what you've always done. Don't forget your heritage. Don't turn your back on, on, on what's uh, behind you, amen. Keep doing what you know is right regardless of the chaos and confusion, confusion that's going on all around you in the world. Keep doing right even if everything in your life is not going the way you had hoped it would go for and the plans that you have made is start to crumble. Keep doing right even if some of those that you've gone to church with your entire life turned their backs on this message. You just keep on going, Timothy. Don't ever turn around and go back the other way. Amen. He said in and, and I'm closing here, but in the, in the fourth chapter of, of 2 Timothy, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, Timothy. Don't ever stop preaching what you've learned. Amen. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. Amen. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Amen. Paul was saying, I've done everything I can, Timothy. I've served God. I've poured into you. I've poured into Demas. I've poured into Luke. Some have walked away. Some have gone someplace else. But Timothy, keep doing what you know to do. Keep on living for God, Timothy. Keep this word in your heart. Keep being what, I call, what God called you to be. Don't let anybody that's coming in those generations down the road deter you from where you've been. Stand with me today. Amen. If there's anything I can leave as a word for you today, especially for this generation that's, that we're living in right now, it's simply this. Don't forget your heritage. Don't forget your heritage. Continue in the things that you've learned. Keep walking with God. Keep believing God. Keep trusting in God. Keep having the confidence that God is going to be able to take you the rest of the way. Church, I'm telling you, I believe that the Lord is coming, but I also believe that in this process of moments that we are living in right now, there is an opportunity to have revival like we've never had revival before. I don't believe we ought to just uh, put on our, our white robes and buck, button up the collars and say, okay, Lord, come get me now. I really believe, Brother Hanson, right now is the greatest moment that the church has ever had, and I believe we can have the greatest revival. Amen. The heritage is here. The foundation is here. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Felt it when I walked in here this morning. But I'm telling you, I don't believe your best days are behind you. I believe what you built in the past is preparing you for the house that's going to be built on the foundation. Amen. And the, the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. God's going to do great things because of your godly heritage. Amen. The testimonies we heard this morning. Amen. The, the talks that we heard this morning about the past is only preparing us for the future. Amen. It's not resting us in the past. It's preparing us for the greatest days that will ever come to this 
this city, Shakota. I believe with all of my heart that God is preparing you for something great. Amen. Reach out and embrace it. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to invite you to come around the front with me for a few moments here as families. If this is your church home, if this is your church family, I want you to join with me around the front. Come come, just gather in across the front in the name of the Lord. I want you to know the Lord has given us, this church family, truth. He has given us truth. He has given us the Acts 238 message. Amen. That was passed down from the generation before, and now we have embraced it. But you know what? We're not going to let it go. We're going to be very intentional. We're going to pass it on to the next generation. Praise the Lord. And that's what we've heard about. We, not, we don't need to let this just flitter away and flutter away. We need to be intentional. We need to make sure our kids, if you're here with your kids today, or if you're a young family and you have children, your greatest goal in life is to pass the truth on to them. Praise the Lord. It is to make sure that your children, the young people in this church, and the children that are coming up, it's to make sure that they know the Acts 238 message. Praise the Lord. It was passed to you. You've heard it. You've heard me preach it. You've heard others preach it. Amen. And so we're not just going to let this become ours and no more, but we're going to pass it on to the next generation. Amen. Praise God. I want you to lift your hands with me as a church body, and we're going to ask the Lord to help us today. Amen. If you're, if you're gathered with somebody you're related to, your family, you can pray with them. Amen. Let's get this thing in our hearts. Let's get it down deep within us. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray right now for every family in this church. I pray for every man, every woman, every child, every young person today. God, that the seed of the truth of your word, this saving gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection, repentance, baptism, and the gift of the Holy Ghost, God, would be planted deep within us, O Lord. This saving word, this saving faith, O God. I pray today, O God, that you would put it deep within us, O Lord, that it would never, Lord, leave us. Hallelujah, Lord, that you would use us, that, Lord, you would use our families, our homes, O God, to not just make this a part of who we are, but to be the light to be the beacon of truth to Shakota, Oklahoma. Lord, to our generation, to those around us. I pray, Lord Jesus, even as I'm praying today, even, Lord, as we've gathered here as a church, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would begin to use the people in this sanctuary, Lord, to reach others around them. I'm asking you, Lord, as, as we prepare for your return, I'm praying, oh God, that there would be great harvest Oh, Lord, that there would be fruit of our labors. In the name of Jesus, stir our hearts, God. Shake us today, Lord, from our complacency. And, Lord, let there be great revival, I pray, as we've never seen, Lord, in ways, oh, God, that we've never seen before. Oh, Lord, we need your touch today. We need you, Lord. We need you to move in our midst. Oh, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wonderful God, wonderful God. Hallelujah. Yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, I went to a birthday party for my grandma. Today is her 90th birthday. And I credit my granny, I call her granny, but I credit her more than probably any other person with where I'm at today because she, she made sure I... When my family quit going to church as a young person, she, she was the one that pushed us to youth camp and got us going back to church, and here we are today. But, but just as Brother Bollinger was preaching today, preaching from, from Paul's writing to Timothy about the faith that was passed down to Timothy from his mother and his grandmother. Amen. That's the faith I want to have in here. That's the faith I wanted to pass to Christian and to Aubrey. Amen. It, it, is, it is vital. It is so important. It's not just about the past. It's about what's coming after us. It's so important. Thank you, Brother Bollinger. Thank you, Sister Bollinger. Amen. Help us sing here. I have decided. 
that's your desire would you just raise your hands right now give the lord thanks and praise for his word for his help lord we love you thank you lord for truth thank you lord for the church the body of believers thank you lord for a hope of heaven